Chapter 2 September When It Comes Mind if we stop at the Piggly Wiggly? Jamie asked Webb as they turned back toward their houses from the high school. I forgot to get bananas at the store this weekend. Sure, George can't do without his bananas, huh? He prefers cantaloupe, actually. I thought he was going to fight Daddy and me for those you gave us last week. I just couldn't believe they were still so good this late in the year. Well, I can't believe the cicadas are still going this late in the year, Jamie said. I'd forgotten how loud they can be. I thought I'd never get to sleep. Really? He asked. Kind of enjoy that humming, like a white noise machine. And aren't they only supposed to come out every 17 years? Or is it 13? Eh, Depends on the type, Webb replied. They actually emerge in cycles, so you generally get to hear them every year. Oh, well, lucky us then. He laughed as they jogged through the parking lot of the Piggly Wiggly, past the old vending machines that were still charging only 50 cents for a Grapeco, and slowed to a walk as the sliding doors opened. The conditioned air hit them with a blast, and Jamie shivered at the contrast from the humidity outside. We're almost out of sweet milk at home, Webb said, as they walked towards the produce section. I think we can make it another day. She heard a voice ring out from the manager's office. Well, Jamie Romans, my, my, my. Oh, hey, um, Clint, she said, turning to face the man in a short-sleeved yellow shirt and tie who was blessedly wearing a name tag. Clint Daniels had graduated with the two of them and looked like he was about to burst with excitement. I heard you were back in town. Did you? Word gets around, I guess, doesn't it? She grinned at Webb, who was smirking as he bounced from one foot to the other. Well, it was posted in our class Facebook group, Clint said. Oh, I see. Jamie looked around the store, then remembered Clint had been a cashier at The Pig, as everyone in town called it, all through high school. You're still working here? Well, I'm the manager now, he replied, his chest puffing out slightly. He leaned in closer to her. I worked my way up the corporate ladder. We can go out sometime. I'll tell you all about it. Oh, well, she looked at Webb, who seemed entirely too amused for her liking. Hey, Clint, how's Sadie doing? He finally interjected. Clint, clearly irritated, turned his attention to Webb. She's divine. Sweetest little Dotson that ever came along, he said, then turned back to Jamie. What do you say, Friday night? We could go to the football game, then over to Arby's for dessert. Wow, that's a very kind offer, Clint, but I'm afraid my dad has dibs on every single evening right now. Thank you, though. She patted Clint on the arm, and his face reddened with delight. Now, we were just going to grab some bananas, and I have to get to work. Can't be late, you know. You know that is what I always say, too. Better an hour early than a minute late. He trailed off as another customer came in. Excuse me a minute. Webb snorted as he tried to hold in his laughter, and she swatted him on the arm. Stop it, she whispered as they walked through the store. And our class has a Facebook group? It's a good way to keep up with social events and important town news, he said, mock seriously. Like big-time journalists moving back home and when the Piggly Wiggly has a sale on bananas. She rolled her eyes. I have to tell you, I'd completely forgotten about the game, and football in general, I guess. It just hasn't been on my radar. I wonder if we can still hear it from the house. I'm sure you can. Howard still calls the games, and you could probably hear him even without the PA system. Well, that settles it. I'll get a couple of Cokes, too, and Daddy and I can sit out on the porch and listen on Friday night. It'll be fun. Don't you mean you'll get a couple of sodas? Webb asked. Oh, come on, she said, crossing her arms. I might not have lived here for a while, but I was raised right. A Coke is a Coke, even if it's a Dr. Pepper. He chuckled, then grinned mischievously. Why don't you get three? Maybe Clint could join you. 
I'll just tell him about your change of plans, he said, looking around the store. Webb, don't you dare, she whispered. Cokes and bananas in hand, she walked toward the express lane. Hey, Clint, Webb called toward the manager's office as she put her groceries on the belt. I'm going to kill him, Jamie thought. She shook her head slightly at him as the high school student rang her up, and she paid with the cash her dad always insisted she have on hand, even when running. Webb looked at her and grinned once more, then turned back to Clint. Sadie's due for her checkup next month. Just call the office. We'll get her on the schedule. Of course I will, Clint replied. You know I don't ever let my baby miss an appointment. Jamie exhaled in relief as they left the store. Then she glared at Webb. You're terrible. You know that, right? Aw, just messing with you. But you never know. Maybe you and Clint were destined to be together, and then I can always say I had a hand in it. Just stop. I'm sure Clint's a great catch, but I'm not destined to be with anybody. That lesson was learned. Thank you very much. Now I'm going home. She spun on her heel and started down the street. Hey, he called. She paused, then turned back to him, eyebrow raised. I'll bring y'all some more cantaloupe later today. George will be thrilled, she said dryly, turning away from him. Hey, he called again. Yes, she responded in a huff. The man was exasperating. Just let me know if you change your mind. I'll tell Clint you'll meet him at Arby's. He doubled over, his hands on his knees, and cackled. All right, that's enough out of you, she said, unable to contain her own smile. As your mama would say, you need to straighten up and fly right. I'll see you tomorrow morning. He continued laughing as he rounded the corner and ran off towards his own house. She thought again about the cicadas. Maybe she was the type to only come home every 17 years. Or maybe she'd try to come around a little more often. That Friday night, Webb slid into his family's row at Bradshaw's football stadium, stepping across his parents, who always sat on the end, to sit in the space they'd held for him beside Dale Jr. The air was heavy with the smell of popcorn, and the stadium was already filling up, the band energizing the crowd with smoke from a distant fire. He didn't know how long Libby and Dale Sr. had been sitting in that spot to watch the town football games, but their faded stadium seats dated back to when Shane had played football. Probably about as long as they've been sitting in the same church pew, he thought, chuckling. What are you so happy about? His oldest brother asked as he flipped through the program. Maybe that Jamie Romans is back in town, his other brother, Shane, weighed in. Libby looked up from her phone. Shut it, Webb frowned at him. Shane had always had the unique ability to get under his skin more quickly than anyone else. I'll leave him alone, Shane's wife, Melanie, said, leaning across her husband to squeeze Webb's arm. I heard y'all have been running. I think that's real good for you. You need an outlet like that, bless your heart. There it was, Webb thought, wincing. Bless your heart. So many people he knew felt sorry for him, losing his wife suddenly and so soon after her diagnosis. She'd just sent the prayer request about the cancer to their church email earlier that afternoon, so everyone had already been surprised by that news. Then she was gone. He'd often thought if he'd just checked his email, he would have made a different call that night. He hated being cast as the victim in the whole situation. James and Libby were the only two people in town who knew what really happened with Taylor's accident. Most of it, anyway. And Lacey, of course. He winced, shook his head, and exhaled loudly. Lacey. He'd already been worrying about her for a long time. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was only 10, and he and Taylor had spent the next several years adjusting medications, learning about her nutrition, watching for symptoms, and considering long-term complications. 
It was a difficult emotional mix. They loved her so much that, in one way, it never felt like a hardship. They were just doing what they needed to do to care for their daughter. Physically and mentally, though, it could take its toll. Days where there was a constant low hum in the back of Webb's head as he wondered if she was okay, if she'd eaten a cookie at school, if they'd kept track of when her next appointment was. It was ongoing white noise, and that was just for him. He knew Taylor had many of the same worries, but they hadn't done a great job of acting as a team over the years. They both tended to process emotions internally, and there were plenty of logistical arguments over who would take the day off from work to go to an appointment, or what concessions they thought were okay to make as Lacey got older. Overall, he had to admit, their marriage had been stable but strained, the difficulties they faced over the years driving them farther apart instead of closer together. When Lacey finished high school, he had been hoping they could work on some of their issues. Then Taylor found out she was going to face her own health battle, and he certainly hadn't handled that very well. He shook his head again, sighed, and shifted in his seat, trying to get his long legs in a more comfortable position. The stadium was packed. Most of the towns still turned out for the games, regardless of whether they had a current connection to the players on the field. The team had just burst through the giant paper banner the cheerleaders held between the goalposts when his other sister-in-law, Melody, got his attention. How are y'all doing this week, Webb? She asked quietly as Bradshaw kicked off the ball. Oh, not too bad, actually. Lacey's doing fine in school. She had other plans tonight, but we had lunch today. She's been feeling really well lately. That's great, Melody said, a whistle drawing her attention back to the field. Oh, come on, she yelled. You know that wasn't holding. He glanced over at Libby, and she winked at him. Libby had suggested they see a marriage counselor a few years ago, and mandated he see someone after Taylor's death. He wished he'd taken her advice earlier. Wonder if that could have saved your life, too, he thought, his jaw clenching as yet another what-if scenario cycled through his brain. Touchdown, Bradshaw, the announcer called out over the PA system. That's what I'm talking about his dad yelled, along with the resounding cheers on the home side. They scored already? Webb had been so lost in his thoughts, he hadn't even realized the ball had changed possession. His brothers rolled their eyes and clapped as the band geared up for the fight song. His mind wandered to Jamie and James, sitting on the porch swing, drinking their Cokes, and he wondered if they'd heard that one amid the crickets chirping and surround sound. She'd gotten the old glass bottles, and he remembered how they used to try to make them whistle by blowing on the tops. Suddenly, needing to walk around, he stood and stretched his arms in front of him. Hey, I'm going to the concession stand. Y'all want anything? He sprinted down the stadium steps, walked past the band, and waved to a different person every couple of steps. He knew just about everyone in town, either from church, school, or taking care of their animals. Webb had always felt so protected in this town as if it were an extension of his own family home. It had always been his firm foundation, but as much as part of him loved having Jamie here, it was also starting to feel like someone had taken a jackhammer to it. Running with her every day was stirring up the same old feelings, and he hadn't had to stuff those down on a daily basis in a long time. He shook his head as if that would literally shake her out of it, picked up popcorn and a Coke, and headed back to his family, where they were discussing Alabama's prospects for the next day. When I walked out of the house last week, it was 1713, Shane said. Left our driveway and went over to Mama's, and by the time I got there, they were up 30 points. Daggum, they're good this year. She make you go back out and drive around some more? Dale Jr. asked. Shane laughed, and Libby, who was notoriously superstitious about Alabama football, scowled at him. 
Anyone who happened to be in the kitchen when they scored a touchdown found themselves relegated there for the rest of the game, or at least until the Tide carried a comfortable lead. Should be safe tomorrow, Webb weighed in. It's only Vanderbilt. Don't jinx us, Libby grinned at him. He grinned back and took a sip of his Coke, returning his attention to the field and away from Jamie Romans. Ladies, let's talk about James, Libby said the next week. Jamie looked up in surprise. Not your daddy, darling, the book, she replied, then squeezed her hand. Even after all these years, Libby continued, I've been wrestling again with that fifth chapter where he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, Jamie murmured. Yes, there's that version too. Libby smiled and looked around the room. So since we're all righteous people here, I've got a hard question for you. How do you handle it when God doesn't give you what you want? especially when there doesn't seem to be any reason not to give it to you. Everyone sat in silence for a moment. That's a discussion question, ladies, Libby joked. I'll kick us off. She turned to Jamie. Jamie girl, I'll be honest. I started having trouble with this one back when your mama got sick. Patty and Rosemarie nodded. We prayed and prayed and prayed for her, quoting this book right back to God. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And then, well, it did and boy was I mad at him for taking her, so quickly too. In fact, I told him if that was the way he was going to run things, then I might as well just go it on my own. Jamie's eyes filled with tears, and Libby squeezed her hand again. But he didn't really let that stand. He kept on calling me back to him, and I felt like he was saying, just talk to me. Even if you're mad, keep talking to me. So I did. I talked and talked and talked, and finally one day I started listening too. And he took me right back to James 5 the passage that had brought so much hurt, and he said, Her sins were forgiven, and I raised her up. Your prayers were powerful and effective. It wasn't an easy answer, but it was the answer I got. She took a deep breath and looked around the room again. So I guess my big takeaway has been that even when God doesn't do what I want, can you imagine the nerve? I keep talking to him. I keep listening. I keep praying. Sometimes he gives me clarity about it later down the road, and sometimes he asks me to have faith he'll work it all together for good, even if I don't get to see it. How about y'all? You know, Martha Ann jumped in, I think it's similar for me. I pray a lot for our business and NT's work in particular, and I usually start off praying for success, that he'll make that sale, you know. But as I keep praying, God shifts me more toward the client, and I start praying NT will have an influence on the client's heart that he'll represent God well. His faith will shine through, even if we don't get the sale. So, as I pray, I feel like God shifts my perspective more to where it needs to be. Oh, that's true, Rosemarie said. Prayer changes my heart more than the situation a lot of times. The group continued to go back and forth and discuss their prayers, those answered and unanswered, and Libby noticed Jamie remained quiet. James had called her a couple of weeks ago to discuss Jamie's faith, or lack thereof. He'd always outsourced a fair amount of Jamie's raising to her, but Libby had never really minded. She loved Jamie as if she were her own. James had said he was worried for her, that she was farther from God than she needed to be. Give me the right words at the right time, Lord, she prayed silently. Help me help our girl. An hour later, everyone took their glasses to the kitchen and started gathering their bags. Jamie started to head out the door as well, and Libby felt like she heard a voice saying, Now. Jamie, she called. Can you give me a hand in the kitchen? Libby started filling the sink with hot water and rinsing out her favorite vintage crystal glasses as Jamie came back in. 
How can I help? She asked. Oh, if you'll just toss those napkins in the garbage, that would be great, Libby said. That's it? Jamie asked as she scooped them up from the counter and put them in the garbage under the sink. Well, you seemed a little quiet tonight. Just wanted to see if you were okay. Sure, she replied. Daddy's always in the back of my mind, but he's doing about the same. Work okay? Yeah, it's fine. You seeing anybody? Gracious, no. I don't have time for that right now, or any interest in it, for the record. I haven't even seen anyone since Hank died, and I don't have any plans to, either. Duly noted, Libby thought, as she put the glasses into the hot water to soak for a minute. Okay, just one more question, then, she said, turning back to face Jamie. How's your prayer life? Oh, I don't know, Jamie said. She leaned against the counter. I guess tonight was the most thought I've given to it in a while. Libby nodded. What about your faith in general? She asked. Oh, um, I don't know about that either, she stammered. Well, I mean, I guess my faith sort of faded into the background as I kept going forward through life. Truthfully, I'm not even sure when or how it happened. It just hasn't felt relevant to real life in a long time, I guess. So I haven't been what y'all would call faithful. She paused, then continued. I know what you're going to say. I should go to church more. It's not just about church, darling, though that can be a big help. She turned her head, studying this girl she'd halfway raised and loved so dearly. Okay, Libby finally spoke. I want you to do something for me. What's that? Give prayer a try. Maybe the next time you really need something, ask God for it. Or if you've got some big feelings inside about anything, talk to him about them. Jamie looked at the floor, then back at Libby and nodded. Okay, it's been a while, but I'll give it a try for you. Libby winked at her. That's my girl. Here, she said, handing her a large plastic bag. I made tea cakes today, too. Take some of them home to your daddy. He's always loved these. Jamie, that you? Her father called as she walked in the door. George barreled in to greet her, and she knelt to give him a hug. Yeah, daddy, it's just me, she said, standing and taking her shoes off. She held them in one hand and the bag of tea cakes in the other as she walked into the living room where he was watching another Matlock rerun. Is this on around the clock? It appears to be, he chuckled, muting it. How is everything at Libby's? Fine. She sent you some tea cakes. Oh, that's marvelous. Want one now? Yeah, I think I do, she replied. Let me grab us a couple of paper towels. She returned with a tea cake in each hand and passed his to him, pretending not to notice as he slipped George a corner. What did y'all cover tonight? He asked. Prayer, and what you do when you don't get the answer you want? Hmm, he responded. That is a challenge indeed. That ever happened with you? She asked. Oh, of course, he said. Not just with the big things like your mother's illness, but lots of small things too. You pray for the squash to do well, for instance, and it doesn't turn out. Webb and I were talking about that just the other day, in fact. Oh, yeah? She wondered what all her father and Webb covered during their conversations. He had a patient that didn't make it. After all these years of veterinary work, it still tears him up when that happens, but don't tell him I told you that. Okay, she smiled. Reminds me of when I'd lose a case. Your mother finally had to implement a 24-hour rule. That was as long as I could moan and groan about it, and then I had to move on to the next one. So what do you do, Jamie said. When they're not answered, I mean. How do you handle that? The same way I do when someone who is clearly guilty gets off on a technicality. I might disagree with a particular verdict, but I trust the system as a whole works. I trust God knows what he's doing, and I accept it. 
After 24 hours, of course. Sounds simple, she said. Well, I guess it is. Simple isn't the same as easy, though. It takes practice. Lots of it. Years of walking with God through the good and the bad. Much like marriage, I suppose. Though I admit, with the exception of her illness, there wasn't much bad to walk through with your mother. She was an amazing woman. You remind me so much of her. She was shocked to see him tear up as he took another bite of the tea cake. You know I worried about you growing up without a mother. That's why I delegated so much to Libby, he murmured, as he slipped George another piece and patted his mouth with his paper towel. But I just loved her so, he continued. No one could ever have followed her. Hope I didn't shortchange you, though. Oh, no, Daddy, of course not, she said, leaning over and squeezing his hand. You taught me to be strong, and I'm so grateful for that. I guess I'm learning as I'm getting older you don't really need anyone else. In the end, you can only rely on yourself. He frowned. Hmm, keep thinking on that one, he said. You rely on old George here, for instance, and I find myself relying on you a fair amount these days. Like it or not, we all end up having to depend on others sometimes. Philip Yancey, I believe it was, talked about living in a web of dependence. Brilliant book on prayer, if you want to read it, by the way. Jamie did not, but she also didn't want an argument to spoil the tea cakes. Well, maybe you're right, she conceded, folding her paper towel and taking his from his hand. Because you can rely on me to get you a glass of sweet milk to wash this down, then we should both get some sleep. No, thanks, I'm all set with my water here. But sweet milk. Haven't heard you say that in a while. Sounds funny with that Yankee accent you've picked up. I guess Alabama's rubbing off on me, she laughed. Old habits and all. She leaned down and gave him as tight a hug as she dared around his frail shoulders. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Jamie girl. Webb shivered as they jogged toward town. Late September had finally brought temperatures slightly below 60 in the mornings, and the leaves were just starting to yellow. A gust of wind sent a few of the ones that had fallen spiraling around them. He glanced at Jamie, who was beaming, her face turned slightly upwards. Her smile is as wide as the river, he thought. She looked back at him. What? she asked. You just look so, I don't know, happy or something this morning, he said. Well, don't sound so surprised. (laughs) No, no, he laughed. I just wondered what you were thinking. That I absolutely love this time of year. I was worried I'd really miss the leaves turning in Connecticut because it's so pretty there in the fall, but this is, she swept her arms in front of her, perfect. Yeah, he said softly, then turned his focus back to the sidewalk. So, is there anything else you miss? About Connecticut, I mean? Only Amanda, she replied. I was actually thinking about it the other day. You'd think after so long up there, I would miss it more. I mean, I still have friends there and everything, but we were all busy with work and kids and, for me, even more work. We've stayed in touch online, but honestly, it hasn't felt that different from when I lived there, minus the occasional in-person lunch. Being so close to New York was fun at times. Hank and I would occasionally have lunch there. She trailed off, and he swallowed the rock in his throat at the mention of her husband. They glanced at each other, and she continued, I'm just trying to say I haven't missed the place itself as much as I thought I might. I guess my heart never really felt settled there, and being here now makes me think, goodness, what a great place to grow up. He instinctively bristled. He never knew how to respond when people said that. What? she asked again. Nothing, he replied immediately. What? It's not nothing. Tell me. It's nothing, he said. 
Surely you still know better than to argue with me, she retorted. Fine, he sighed. It's just the way that sounds. Great place to grow up, but who would ever want to stay? It's always rubbed me the wrong way. She stared at him for a moment. That's not what I meant, she said. Not at all, but I can see what you're saying. I'm sorry. They jogged in silence for a few minutes, then he cleared his throat. Hey, do you mind if I bail on you tomorrow morning? One of my patients gave me tickets to the Alabama game, and it's an early kickoff. We'll need to leave first thing. That sounds fun. Is Lacey going with you? Yeah, he replied. We've been trying to have a little more quality time since she lost her mom. Things have been pretty tense between us. That's understandable, I guess. No, it's my fault. Hadn't known what to say or do to make things right with her. Well, this may be nosy of me, but I don't know that you can completely. I mean, you can't bring her mom back, and it's a loss she'll always have with her. But you can be there for her going forward and be the dad she needs. I guess, he said, wondering how much she'd heard about Taylor's death. Don't sell yourself short, she replied. You're an amazing guy, Webb. She's lucky to have you. You've done a great job with her. Yeah? He asked, his eyes still focused on the road ahead of them. Absolutely, she said. I just love her. She stops by my office every week now. It's been so fun to hear about what she's working on. It reminds me of me when I was starting out. Anything seemed possible. Yeah, she's pretty dedicated. She really wants to be a reporter, covering religion if she gets her preference. I could even see her going into some kind of ministry, too. Kids at church every time the doors are open and at school all the rest of the time. She works about as hard as you do. It sounds like the game will be a good break for her then, Jamie laughed. Oh, and you know, tomorrow morning could give me the extra time I've needed to work on a presentation Tanner and I are doing in December. Oh yeah? What's it about? Local journalism and how it's changed over the years. Everything started small, then got big. Now it's small again. She frowned. Good grief. I've just done the whole presentation in one sentence. See why I need the extra time on it? He laughed. No, it actually sounds pretty interesting. It is. The journalism world is changing so quickly. I've enjoyed working on it, though Tanner has left me with the bulk of the actual work on this one. He told me we'd share the credit, but he could be the, quote, pretty face during the presentation. She rolled her eyes. He sounds like a winner. Y'all dating? The question had slipped out before he could stop himself, and he found himself feeling slightly panicked when she blushed. Oh, um, no, nothing like that. I've known him forever. I didn't mean to. It's fine, she replied curtly. Really, it's just... I'm not looking for anything like that right now. I'm completely fine on my own. They turned down Main Street, where the store windows were painted for Bradshaw's homecoming the next weekend. Oh my goodness, homecoming. I completely forgot about that, she said. Are there any plans with our class? Not this year. We usually only get together every five years or so now. A few people always turn up at the game, though. Who knows? Maybe I'll actually come to the 30-year reunion in a few years, since I haven't made it to any of the other ones. Yeah, that's right, he murmured, remembering the tightness in his chest when James had told him she wasn't coming for the 10, 20, then 25-year gatherings. You should come. Jenny always does a good job with him. Jenny, she was class secretary, right? President, he corrected. Oh, yeah, the secretary was Emma. Emily, did you even graduate with us? He grinned at her, and she smiled back. Where do you think you'll be then? He asked more seriously. For the 30-year, I mean. Oh, I have no idea, she said. Hadn't even thought about it, really. Maybe I'll follow Amanda out to California. She wants to move there after graduation. She gestured toward a muscular Bradshaw tiger painted on an orthodontist window. 
They did a nice job with that one. They rounded the block again and headed back toward their houses. A squirrel darted up an oak tree in front of them, shaking a few more leaves off the branch onto her head. She laughed as she brushed them away, and he shook his head. What has gotten into you? You're so cheerful today. It's the weather, the leaves in the fall, the smell of the trees. Though I always believed I had a cheery, delightful morning disposition, and now you're making me question that. Closing her eyes, she took a deep breath in, and he decided to join her. That's a pine tree I'm smelling, right? She asked. Yeah, and maybe a hint of the paper mill. I keep asking myself how I stay gone this long. It just feels so good to be... She spread out her arms, spun in a circle, and grinned at him again. Home. However long I'm here, I guess it feels good to be home. Yeah? He smiled along with her, then paused to pluck out one red leaf that had gotten stuck in her hair. He'd always thought her hair looked like spun gold. Well, however long you end up being here, it's good to have you home, he replied. He'd learned a long time ago not to expect anything more than friendship from Jamie. Every so often over the years, he'd let his mind drift beyond that. But now he'd had to learn not to let that happen too.